Hello and welcome to the Jordan Powers Experience. My name is Jordan Powers and on today's episode, I am joined by the one, the only, Matt Trewitt. Matt is a hip-hop artist based out of Vancouver, BC. Um, he grew up here in Kelowna, BC and um, honestly, I consider him one of the dudes that's kind of paving the way for um, the local hip-hop and, you know, independent artist scene. Um, he's one of the first guys I ever filmed at like a live show. Um, all around amazing talent was playing live shows here in the summer and um yeah in today's episode i mean we talk about his life in Kelowna and growing up in kind of the hip-hop scene um he moving out to vancouver and we also get into um, a time where he had uh, a run-in with the rcmp um, over uh, a public show that he was doing so um i think that's a super interesting story to tune into at the end of the whole podcast but yeah, um, today's episode is brought by, to you by my usual supporters, um, starting with Open Cannabis. Open Cannabis is a um, local cannabis brand that specializes in organic, high THC products. Um, they're now officially in um, BC licensed um, cannabis stores, so make sure you go and check them out or ask for Open Smoke'em or Open Discover. And um, my second sponsor is uh, Garsh Barware. Garsh Barware is trusted behind cannabis Canada's um, the busiest bars. They're all custom engraved cocktail kits done here locally in front of DC by my man Griffin. You get a whole bunch of different designs done on like cocktail kits or um, flasks. Constant coming up with new products. Make sure you check out www.garnish.com. Sorry, www.garnishbarware.com. And yeah, without wasting any more time, enjoy my podcast episode with Matt Trailit. All right, ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one. Matt Truitt. Matt Truitt, that's it. Did I nail it? You did. <laughs> okay, good. Good, man. How you doing? Good, dude. Yeah? I'm great. Yeah. Living the dream? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Welcome to the Jordan Powers Experience. And oh, yeah. uh, I'm stoked to have you here because uh, we've been chatting online a little bit. I know you from back in the day. Um, actually, one of the first uh, hip-hop kind of concert videos i ever created was uh when you were headlining for an after hours yeah show, that's so. right that's right that was like what was that like f- six years ago or something yeah like, something f- probably five years ago yeah four or five years ago something oh, like that oh man yeah <laughs> so it's been so a minute long. dude yeah and uh you're kind of kicking it out in vancouver on the coast now and uh yeah obviously you're coming through the okanagan so yeah well i mean like i grew up here and my family's all here still and so got tons of friends, so it's hard to come visit, uh, but I try to go as much as I can. And yeah. So, yeah, and, like, I don't know, it's just cool to, like, see what's all going on here. Like, when I left, it was very, like, I left because there wasn't stuff to do, like, with, like, music and even, you know, stuff like this. Like, mm-hmm. and now coming back, it's awesome to see all the stuff going on. And like, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited. Yeah. The art scene here has grown a lot over the past five years. It feels yeah. like, and especially in that kind of like hip hop realm. Like yeah. we always had a big, like indie kind of rock scene that would go yeah. through. It's like waves, but hip hop had always been kind of like not on the up and yeah. up. Here. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, like the Somewhere in the Valley boys? Yeah, shout out Kenny, shout out Indy, shout out Sheen. Dude, like Kenny and I, like, you know, I was 18, he's probably like 17, and (laughs) we were just like making beats in his mom's basement, and like, you know, like a couple days ago, I was here at the studio that they're renting, and just like, it's just so cool to see the the growth and 
expansion. Totally, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's funny cause my, um, my sister, she's a, she's an actor and actress and she, uh, did the same thing like 18 moved out to Vancouver just cause there wasn't much going yeah. on here. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can start facilitating that more in town. Dude, it, I like, I'm like, damn, like I could, I could move back like, I could. <laughs> if you wanted to. Yeah. That's how it feels sometimes. Like even, uh, my cousin truth, like he was, he was like down here a couple of weeks ago and he was like, dude, I can't believe how much is popping off. Like, yeah. And he's a homegrown Okanagan boy. So <laughs> nice. he's like, yeah, I could go back easily. Yeah. But. And how's uh, Vancouver treating you? It seems like you're a busy dude out there. Yeah, dude. It's honestly great. Like I really like it. I, for, for a lot of reasons. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, dude, it's a, okay first of all i love vancouver let's just put that first um but it kind of feels a lot of the time like it doesn't have a soul Mm. in terms of like uh like there's no unifying vancouver culture there's just like pockets of like subcultures and yeah just like in terms of like the art scene and especially for like the stuff that i'm trying to do um there isn't a huge amount of like industry there so it's been it's been really cool like i've met so many cool people and done a lot of cool stuff but um it's such a grind out there like it's just it's been a huge grind and um i don't know i think eventually my career is going to take me probably out east or like south somewhere so we'll see but i love vancouver i'm trying to like squeeze as much as i can out of the city (laughs) until uh, that happens so yeah, well, uh, tell me a little bit about your kind of musical journey and your your uh, musical career. Like, did, yeah. were you always into rap and hip hop from a young age? Oh and- man, um, well, I started drumming at like nice. when I was like six. So my parents put me in drum lessons, and yeah, I've just been playing drums my whole life. It feels like I was never very good though. Like, uh, but I was like playing in rock bands, and then I went through like jazz band, and like I love playing jazz. Um, and yeah, like started listening to rap music, but. Um, just mostly, I listened to like straight 50 Cent, like straight 50 <laughs> nice. Cent, Lil Wayne. It was like nothing else. And then like T-Pain stuff. And then found Travis like in high school. And then um, it was like a hobby, like uh, to listen and kind of like, like being a drummer, I used to beatbox for people like freestyling and stuff. And it was just like, uh, just a fun thing to do. Um, but after after high school, I went to Okanagan College for like one semester, barely passed. And I was like, hey, you know what? This is definitely not what I want to do. Yeah. Like this is 100% not what I want to do. And I wanted my parents to support me and because they were like really big on school. And so I was like, hey, what if I just like did found a music school? Because that's what all I was doing at that time too. Like in my spare time was just making beats and like. You were producing at that time as well. Yeah, yeah. I should say like, yeah, I started producing when I was like 13 oh, or wow. so. Um, I heard like some dubstep. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My friend, he showed me dubstep. I'd never heard it before. <laughs> and I was literally like, how do I make this? And uh, so I just downloaded like FL Studio and started messing around um, and just taught myself. But yeah, like I never really took it seriously. It was just like what I love to do. And um shout out my friend Tristan Martin he like would sell my CD I'd like make dubstep songs burn CDs Tristan would go like sell them and uh yeah it was a fun time man but once I was like okay like I gotta get my shit together it's real life I'm going to college it's like okay 
maybe I can do music school and then my parents will actually get behind me and like, like kind of support it. And, um, I also wanted to get the fuck out of Kelowna at the time too. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I found the school in Vancouver. My parents were like, I, it's a lot of money. How are you going to do this? And, uh, yeah, I just had to figure it out and move down. Like, uh, I just turned 19 and then I moved to Vancouver, went to school and yeah, since then I've just been out there on the coast, like trying to try to make stuff happen and just figuring out myself. Like, yeah, it feels like when I first went down there, I didn't even know what I was doing at all. Like I was like just rolling the dice. Yeah. It's just like a dumb kid. Figured it out. <laughs> That's how we all are at 19. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, man. So it's been good though, man. Like I've just constantly refining, trying new like paths of like, um, you know, what am I going to do with, with music? What does that actually look like? And that's constantly like, um, evolving and, and I'm constantly growing. Like that's the whole point is like just trying to have constant, consistent growth and just continue to like, um, believe in myself and my people and yeah, just trying to go, go fucking Drake levels. So yeah, yeah, man. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. It's so funny what you say that about dubstep, because I think I was like probably 13 also when I first heard it, Mm. maybe 12 or something. And, uh, and yeah, when my buddy showed it to me, I thought that was the name of the song was dubstep. Mm. He was like, Hey, this is dubstep. And I was, or I thought it was the artist. So I was like, cool. Who's dubstep? He's like, no, you idiot. That's the genre. And I was like, Oh, wicked dude. I, well, I used to listen to like, like I grew up kind of listening to Billy talent and like Mm kind of like punk stuff like that. So it felt like this like electronic version of like this like metal like stuff. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. I just love beats. Like I love like hard beats. So I guess like just being a drummer and it was like this, it was so cool, man. Like I still have like really shitty tracks on YouTube from like back <laughs> in those days that I used to upload and like, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, you mentioned Billy Talent, and uh, the first concert I ever went to was a Green Day concert. Oh, uh, yeah. American Idiot. Do you nice. remember your first uh, concert that you ever Dude, went to? Dude, it was Billy Talent. Wait, they here came, in Kelowna? Yeah, yeah. They came here, like, I don't know. My buddy's dad, like, took a whole group of us. We must have been, like, grade six or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, we were super young, but we were all super into them, and... Um, I don't remember too much of it, but I remember being super hyped. It was just, it was sick. Yeah, that was the first concert for sure. <laughs> and do you remember per- performing your first concert as well? Or Yeah, man. Yeah. The Well, I mean, I used to play, like I played drums and we'd like, I used to play in like this rock band and like that I took lessons through and like we did like gigs for that. Um, I think one of my first gigs, we were like, I was like grade six and there's a like in a band playing at like a restaurant with a bunch of our like parents there, like who organized it kind of thing. But, um, I didn't get on the mic until I was like, uh, at the end of school. Cause when I first moved to Vancouver, I went to like audio engineering school. Um, I wasn't planning on being a rapper, like rapping at all. Like it was just something fun that I like to do. And I just like, I wanted to like hear verses over my own beats. So I just like mess around. And then all my friends at school, like all my classmates were like, bro, you should keep doing this. Like keep, keep rapping and stuff. And then we had, um, uh, like a showcase at the end of the year for like, just is like a graduation night for the school. And like, uh, they're offering anybody to perform. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to like play (laughs) there and rap. And yeah, that was the first like rap show. And then, uh, yeah, that was like, fuck man, 2015, (laughs) I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
do you get nervous when you when you have to step up on Definitely. stage? Or, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I'm so like I've always been like an awkward guy, like <laughs> and so like just being on the mic like is uh, without music. That's terrifying to me. Like once we're like playing the songs, I can just like perform the song. That's okay, but it's like it's taking me a long time to get comfortable enough to like just talk to the crowd or like just not yeah. be like frozen up there, like. Yeah. That's so. admirable though to like face that fear and, and do it. I uh I did a couple of um shows where I was like hosting um yeah. and just just being like the host and I got like way too drunk for, for one yeah. of them cuz I was just so nervous, yeah. you know. And, yeah. But uh and what happened? Uh I probably made a fool of myself yeah. in a couple different ways, but yeah. <laughs> I'm more confident now to go up and Dude, do it and Honestly though, a little bit of alcohol is the move. Like <laughs> yeah, just a tiny bit, yeah, right? Like just one little... shot, like or like one beer. <laughs> Ease the nerves a little Dude, bit. Dude, 100%. I like I I'm it's like that's like scripture to me. Like you got to <laughs> it helps so much. Yeah. I swear. But you got to have a second to sneak off take a shot before you actually <laughs> yeah. go up. So yeah, man. And um when you're performing, you say it kind of like those nerves kind of, you know, float away or whatever. Um, is that, is that just you getting into a flow state? Mm. Yeah, I think so, man. Like, well, like actually, uh, I used to play a lot of sports growing up, like stopped after high school, cold Turkey with everything. But, um, playing shows was like the most, it reminds me a lot of like game day, right? Because you just got to go out there and like perform and do your best. And yeah, like you want to be in the moment and even, when I do get nervous, I just try to like channel it into like, just like doing my best kind of mm-hmm. thing, if that makes sense. I don't know, but yeah, like you have to use those nerves. Yes. Yeah. It's energy, like nervous energy. I think it's good to have that. Like if you're not getting nervous, then like you're probably too comfortable. <laughs> yeah. You're not like challenging yourself. You're not pushing yourself enough. Yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. I heard, I can't remember who I heard this from, but they were saying that all the greatest athletes, um, in the world, when when you hear them talk about nerves, they describe it as excitement rather than being nervous, and mm-hmm. they just take that energy and they challenge it and challenge it into um, excitement. Yeah, dude. Like, I don't know. I think everything is like uh, you can use a lot of emotion in general to fuel whatever you're trying to do. At least, like, in terms of that performance mm-hmm. thing. Like, I'm always, I don't know. Like, when I go on stage, like, I try to like, I try not to think, overthink it too much. Like. Even like later today, I'm playing drums for Rebecca, um, and is that gonna be down on yeah, um, just on like the Meet Me on Bernard thing? Yeah, yeah, sick. Yeah, so but even that, I'm like, you know, I was drinking a bit last night, partying <laughs> a little bit, and I'm like, okay, like I'm not thinking about it. We haven't <laughs> practiced at all. Like I don't, need, I'm just, we're just gonna jam out and stuff. But it's like, I'm still. If I think about that too much, I'm gonna like start <laughs> freaking out a little bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I just try to like walk up and like just get her done. And well, I, yeah. Well, like, you've put in the work at this point. Yeah. Also, I was going right? to say, so. yeah, it's like, you know, that's, I'm not talking about like all the rehearsing and whatever, all the work that goes into the prep. But when it comes to the actual performance, yeah, I think like that flow state mentality, what you're talking about is, uh, it's kind of like a, I think when you're on, it just happens. Like mm-hmm. it's like almost like a byproduct of all those things coming together nice. in that situation. Um, yeah, I don't know if you ever, like, do you ever feel like, have you ever like done a performance kind of thing like that or other than emceeing, like, yeah, I'd be, dude, I bet even like working camera, like you get into a flow state. Yeah. Sometimes definitely, uh, acting I've been mm. like nervous to do and, and get up on in front of the cameras and do that. Um, but like sports, like you said, man, like I, I totally, uh, relate to that point growing up playing sports. You're like, yeah. Hey, you just got to 
zone in and yeah. get it done and do your best. And yeah. Yeah. My journey has been interesting and then like I had probably a little bit of like anxiety growing up, especially playing mm. like I played a little bit of drums growing up as well. Nice. And uh, just being in for some reason in band class when it came down to like school performances, like I yeah. was deathly terrified to do those. Oh, yeah. But like then I went and got drum lessons at Wentworth and we did like a uh, like a rock kind of oh, show. Yeah, like the showcases. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like spinning my sticks. I was like throwing them out to my yeah. parents and like grabbing some new ones like I was in the zone. Nice. So yeah, it was just Fuck a difference yeah. of... I don't know. I don't know what it was, but yeah, no, I know what you mean, but I don't know. Like, I feel like doing this podcast, like you've been able to have these like conversations, like kind of in depth, you know, like one-on-one, like it's not really a common way of communicating. I feel like nowadays, hundred percent. like how often do you actually sit down like this? And get to like have this more like intimate conversation with someone. So many people have been like, yo, I was not expecting to just like stare into your eyes for yeah, like an right? hour. And I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean <laughs> it <laughs> like that. And I've had one other uh, guest tell me that this feels like an interrogation room. Really? Oh my God. That's <laughs> yes. intense, dude. It's intense, but. I don't know. I like it, man. I like <laughs> it. I think that it's good. Like you don't get enough of it yeah. these days. Like I said, like um, everyone just, you know, on their phones and shit. And like, yeah. Just so this superficial surface level like interactions and it's uh i don't know it's good to just get nitty-gritty get into the deep end like what else what else is there in life (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah yeah this uh book uh that i recommend to everybody it uh kind of changed my life a little bit it's called the art of conversation Mm. and um what they pointed out was like back in the um just before the french revolution um, the kind of aristocrats at the time, they would uh, invite people whose jobs and title was that they were a conversationalist. And so oh, they would really? get invited to these like fancy dinner parties purely because they were good at conversing and, wow. and entertaining, right? Because they didn't have like TV back then right. or, or radio or anything. So yeah, there was these people who were just like good at conversing and they would get invited to all these cool parties. And so the, the, the premise of the book was like breaking that down and like why these people were good at that and what they did and stuff. And oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it helped my life a lot. Like, did it make you, did it like kind of teach you how to have like more in-depth conversations and like connect and stuff like definitely and and the 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 biggest lesson and like the one tool that I took took away from it to to make have better conversations was just being a better listener mm. which was like you know it's this it's this oh, back and forth it's this tug of war right yeah. yeah well i don't know man like charisma can get you really freaking far <laughs> in life yeah. like so far like you can just have nothing and you can have a lot of charisma and you're good like, totally. It's wild, you know? <laughs> but that's fascinating that they actually, like, ha- like had, like, okay, this guy's, like, he's really, like, s- good with the words. So let's bring him, <laughs> yeah. and he'll, like, liven everything up. That's sick. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. So if anybody wants to have me over at their dinner and feed me, <laughs> I'm down. <Yeah. laughs> I will talk for food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll talk yeah. for food. I yeah. have a sign like that yeah. up. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty cool, man. So, like... uh why did it change your life though? Why was it so impactful for you? I just don't think I was good at really having conversations with people that I mm. didn't know. Like I've never been the right. type of dude to like go and introduce myself to somebody or not, right. at least now I am, but, but back in the day I, I wasn't. Right. And, um, I got into automotive straight out of high school and I was just working with a bunch of dudes all the time right. also. And so I don't right. really, I'd be lying. Part of the reason I bought the book is cause I couldn't talk to girls. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. I, uh, yeah, it helped me with that as well. Nice. There you go. <laughs> 
dude, that's that's interesting. Like, cause I feel, I felt like kind of in a similar place uh, when I was younger. Like coming out of high school, like I was always again, like I said, just really awkward kind of guy. But uh, I like I got a job in Vancouver as a barista, and I've been a barista for like five years, and that alone, like. I feel like I can just talk to anyone now. Like totally. I just had this weird, like, um, public speak, not public speaking, but like just interacting with strangers and like just this like conversational skills that I never really thought I was going to get out of the job. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's, I've just like, I feel like I can talk to anyone now and have like any kind of conversation. And I hear uh, servers say that at stuff all the time also. And like my sister will even like, use some acting skills and like put on a different character with one mm. table and then put on another character yeah. with another table just based Dude. on the vibe. Yeah. I definitely, uh, I used to do that like <laughs> for tips. Like you always like, <laughs> you always trying to like, you know, if there's like a couple older ladies that come in and you're like, hello ladies. <laughs> yeah. brother, if there's like a construction bro coming in, you're like, what's up man? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, different kinda, good, you gotta like, you know, just play the crowd a little bit. Totally. You know? totally. Make it, like you can, there's a way you can interact with people that can make you can make anyone comfortable with yeah. how you approach them. But. Do you apply those same skill sets in the studio? Because um, especially mm. when you're recording somebody or producing for them, mm-hmm. um, uh, studios I've been in there there seems like some producers like to set a vibe and like a tone, yeah. but they'll adjust it based on the artist they're working with. Mm. I definitely. Um, I guess like I usually do everything out of my place now. I got like a nice home studio setup. Um, and for that, like, I kind of like trust my own, at least I trust like the work I put in to make that place like a good vibe, yeah. but like, I will definitely interact with different artists differently. Like, mm-hmm. cause some people like Rebecca, who I like work a lot with, um, she's very, she's like, she, she, you can talk to her and be super direct. Like she's not as sensitive as some other artists, but then right. there's like other artists who are like, if you tell them that you need to like sing, like maybe it's like, Hey, you need, can you sing this like a little bit like this instead? They're like, Oh, I, I, do I suck? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no. so you, you're kind of like managing and, it, and then there's like, you know, like, um, cause I've been trying to work with a lot more like singer songwriters and that kind of stuff. But you know, when it's like rappers coming through, like you just, it's, it's a totally different vibe, obviously. So yeah, definitely like, the people skills and being able to kind of um, just adapt a little bit to what everybody needs. Cause I mean, at, at the end of the day too, like as a producer or an engineer, um, I'm kind of like fulfilling a service for the artist. So I'm trying to meet their needs and make sure they have a good experience, whatever they're trying to do. Um, and yeah, like I'm really, I'm only getting into pro- producing and engineering for like, artists I don't know, or just like getting those kind of bookings, like, cause just, cause I'm trying to like do a side hustle, yeah. basically monetize my skills. But for the most part, I'm working with people that I know and have like a connection with, and we're like trying to achieve something. So with, with that, it's a lot more blunt. We get pretty, uh, pretty straight up with each other. Like <laughs> yeah. my team, like we're all, we keep it like really straight up and honest. And who's, so. who's all on your team. So that's like Rebecca Sihone. Um, and then my cousin truth, uh, and then my buddy, Jacob Hoskins, um, all of them have music on SoundCloud or SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever, <laughs> yeah. all the platforms go check it out. Uh, but yeah, those guys are like my core four. Oh, and also Daniel, 
Detour. He's another one. We got a shout out. Um, but yeah, those guys, like, it's quite an eclectic team. Like, and that's just like the music team. Like right. we got, we got other people that doing other stuff, but, um, yeah, like those are the people in the studio. Like those are all my people that like, if I'm working on something, I'm going to send it to them and be like, yeah. what do you think? I want to hear what you have to say. So it's so important to have that team and, and that energy. Cause you kind of all hold each other accountable. You can yeah. all lift each other up. You'll have different skill sets and sounds yeah. that you can bring to the table. And yeah, man. You, I don't think you can do a lot of shit without a team. Like, totally. I used to like, I don't know. I just, I've had to do a lot of shit on my own, like coming out to van and like, it felt like, um, it was kind of a solo endeavor and just everything I was doing. Like, um, my parents, very like athletic academic kind of like, um, type people and they wanted me to go that same route. And so, um, it just felt like I didn't have a lot of mentorship. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do everything on my own. Like, mm-hmm. Fuck it. I'm just, you know, like the one man. <laughs> I'll do it myself. Man. Yeah, yeah. This fucking <laughs> Russ level shit, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I just, but I just, I was like, you know what? Like realizing it, like I can do, like I'm good at what I'm good at, but then like I'm not good at the stuff I'm not good at. So why don't <laughs> I just get people who are good at that stuff, find those people and like not only like, on a career level, but all of those people I just talked about, like they're my, they're homies. Like those are my day ones kind of thing. So just in life, those are the people I also go to as well. And I think it's important just to have like family and friends, like whatever you're doing, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I don't know. I came from a place where like, I was very focused on like quantity of relationships, not quality. Okay. And I've just started to totally realize like, um, how shallow kind of like an existence that can be. Yeah. Like, interesting. Without having real depth, real like connection and quality connection with people. Yeah. We're like fewer, my circles like shrunk a lot, but it feels better. Nice. If that makes sense. Totally. That's so important. I, I, I was lucky enough to grow up with some friends that like are still my best friends, closest friends. And I can tell them anything. Yeah. Like, and just to have that release, like just take some weights off your shoulders and just like know that somebody is there to talk to and, and they're not going to judge you. They're still going to love you at the end of the day. Yeah. I got that from my parents too. Like I was just nice, lucky man. in that sense, but it, I think everybody needs that. Yeah, dude. Like I think it's extremely important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's been, uh, it's been tough trying to fucking find the right people. Honestly, like it's been, uh, it's been really hard. I don't know. I, my parents like uh, separated when I was really young and I always grew up kind of like in this weird, like I feel like I avoided connection because right. I never uh, saw like I know I had no role models for people like hashing problems out. It was always like just just dip kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I love my parents. Let's just shout them out real quick. <laughs> like, they're yeah. both great. But um yeah, like I just I didn't have any like good role models for that. If that makes sense, Do you know totally. what I mean? Like, because yeah. it's too easy when like a conflict comes up to just not confront it, yeah. be passive aggressive, like not really deal with it, and then that would just lead to me like I'd build that stuff up with my friendships, and then I would just I couldn't I would just resent that person, and then I didn't want to be around them anymore, mm-hmm. so I just dip. But like actually being able to work out those issues, like and face those problems, and then you forge something deeper having gone through that, like hundred percent, hundred percent. Do you find that with uh, your music and stuff also that it can be like therapeutic? 
Like you can, you can kind of like stuff or writing or even just the creation process. Like 100%, man, hundred percent. Like <laughs> if I'm, if I'm like upset in any type of way, like that's what I want to go do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, extremely therapeutic. Yeah. I think if I like at the end of the day, like if I never make it, I'm not going to, I'm never going to stop writing. Nice. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. all the other stuff, like the business side of the game and like even performing, I love performing, but all that stuff I could just let go if, mm-hmm. if I could just write. Like, I'd love to just write. I could write every day. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, like, essential part of life. Like, it's, like, if I don't, if you don't exercise, you know how, like, if you don't exercise for a bit, you kind of go crazy? Like yeah. You get too pent up. Like, I, if I don't write, I get, like, in this law, lo- I feel, like, lost. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, a, a very sense. grounding experience. And yeah. I'm sure it goes the other way also. If you're like, there's something you're super stoked and happy about, you want to write about that and make like yeah. a, a wicked song that everybody can get hyped up to. And yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, man. I honestly, though, I definitely write uh, <laughs> usually when I'm upset. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's a different, when I'm happy, I, I definitely, well now, like I always, I just show up because like I'm trying to do something huge. So um, and I, when I am happy stuff, happy stuff comes out, but like, it's a different vibe. Like when, than when I'm upset about something, that's yeah. really when the like dirtiness comes out, <laughs> like, yeah. the real shit, the rawness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I love like, yeah, it's like different. Like if I'm going to write something like lyrics, if I'm going to like write a song, it's I'm coming from a dark place like 95% of the time. Yeah. One of my favorite artists in town is uh, Windmills, uh, oh, yeah. Corey. And he always says, uh, I'm mostly happy, but I write sad music <laughs> or yeah. something. Or I always write sad music, but I'm mostly happy. Like something oh, yeah, along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like when I'm happy, I like making beats. Like, yeah. like I just, but yeah, if I'm going to write something down, it's definitely going to be, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find like my own avenue of like, aggression and like what that looks like and um like the track i just released storm coming that one um it feels like uh like it felt like i was making like an anime movie because it like it wasn't really i was like this isn't me i'm like creating a character creating like this scene and like this thing and somehow like um you know i don't know like i'm a very self-aware to a fault type of person right so in rap music you know like there's a lot of people who rap about stuff that's like not authentic to themselves which is fine because at the end of the day we're just making art but for me it's always felt like important to be like to feel authentic in what i'm saying like in being honest and uh stuff songs that i've written where you know like i fall into that like hip the hip-hop like cliches where not whatever you're talking about like whatever like you know all the tropes of of hip-hop like that stuff all the superficial stuff i'd written like that and it just felt so like like okay the song is good the beat's good everything's good but it just doesn't feel it doesn't right. feel right yeah, yeah. We got a set of Latinas, they want to travel like on board a visa. Sangria, Santeria, met a gang of Filipinas. It doesn't feel right uh, when you're when, with like doing all that superficial stuff. So, um, but this one, somehow I was like making, sh- like I was writing stuff that like is totally not authentic, but 
it just it it was more like okay this isn't me though this is like this character and like right it just so i was able it like was like this different pers- it was like a perspective shift that like opened it up and allowed me to like channel a lot of aggression because i'm a pretty like happy like chill dude but i have like this ra- like the rage that i want to bring out yeah I, I need to find like avenues and it's like when i'm like okay i'm not the type of person that's gonna like whatever I say a lot of stuff in that song. It's very aggressive, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's like, oh, that, but that's just like this character kind of thing. Such a healthier way to go about it is doing yeah. it through your music and your art and then just going out there and being a fucking dickhead to people. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> like, do you know, um, like, I'm, I'm just going to assume that you know who Jordan Peterson is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like his whole like thing, I, I, I listened to his audio book for the 12 rules of life. I can't remember what like section of the book he talked about this in, but, um, like how we need to like own, um, our masculinity in a sense, or like, and embrace the shadow, embrace your inner monster. Yeah. 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 Because like, if you don't, you're not going to be able to control how it comes out because it's just going to like, like come out like, well, and you're just denying that it's not there and then, and then it comes out and it's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. But it's like, obviously our world is full of darkness as much as it's full of like beautiful, like good things. Like it's the yin and yang and the duality of our reality. And yeah, you have to own it in order to, um, I don't want to say control it, but like control it kind of, Yeah, you know, like, um, yeah, you know, like he, like Jordan says in that book, it's like, you're like you, that turns into like rape and like murder and like all kinds of violent stuff. And like, yeah, being able to own it and whatever. I don't know. Like I even, I'm not like a super into fitness, but like I love, when I go to the gym, it's just like, I'm like putting all my demons into that totally like, experience and just exercising the demons out. Like I, I do that through uh, martial arts now. And nice. like I grew up as a kid doing martial arts a little bit, but then stopped throughout all of like high school and stuff. Yeah. And then um, got back into it um, about uh, just after the uh, first lockdown. And uh, yeah, just being able to go into a group of, and, and there's like, there's, there's tons of like men, women, there, all different shapes and sizes. Nice. Um, it's such an exclusive place. And like everybody's just training together, but you're still being physical. You're still, you know, getting some of your aggression out. Yeah. And yeah. It's such a healthy place to do it. What kind of martial arts are you doing? It's uh jujitsu and nice. Muay Thai boxing. Nice. And then they uh, incorporate a ton of wrestling and just yeah. uh, traditional boxing in there as well. So you're, well, you're learning how to fuck people up and (laughs) essentially like you're practicing it. And so you're kind of, yeah, it's like absolutely a great way to channel that because you're kind of doing it. And you learn so quick that you're just not even close to being the toughest dude in there. Like there are some savages in there and they're the nicest people. Yeah. They're the nicest people like David Lee, shout out David Lee, Toshito MMA. Um, I bet that guy could fuck up most people that he comes across, but he's always got a giant smile. Yeah. Just such a happy dude. Just so welcoming. So caring. It's yeah, it's cool to see. Yeah. My, uh, I actually, I've done quite a bit of martial arts growing up because my dad, Mark Steen, he, he's got like three black belts and he's obsessed with jujitsu and. Oh, damn. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I got to, I haven't done it since I moved out because like. I'm a starving artist and uh, <laughs> yeah. jujitsu clubs are expensive. Yeah. So I haven't been able to do it since I moved, but um, yeah, I, like all growing up, my dad would just like t- force me to come and like train with him. And um, 
we only did this a couple times. If my dad ever listens to this, so it's, <laughs> it's not like he used to beat me up or anything. Yeah. But like, there's a few times where like, if we had some big disagreements, we just <laughs> go to yeah. the gym and like throw on some gloves and like settle it like <laughs> that. And it would be like, I would get scared because I I still like my dad's like sixty something or like fifty nine maybe, but he could still still fuck me up yeah. and still fuck up <laughs> a lot of people. And uh, he's always been a terrifying man on that level as much as been a lovable man. But um, yeah, dude, like it would, we'd be in like squaring up and I'm like, Oh shit. And then it <laughs> yeah, got real quick. Yeah. Suddenly I get popped and I'm like, okay, you're going to go like that then. And then I'll just like <laughs> come back. And then, uh, yeah, we always left those like, okay, we're good. Like, yeah. And we'd always, you know, it was all love after that. Right? Well, especially growing up as, as a dude. And then you're looking at your dad and there's that, there's that moment where you're becoming a man. Yeah. And you want to kind of challenge the man in your life half the time, right? Like, yeah. I think it's a natural thing. So, yeah, man, I know I used to, uh, I mean, this is such a small example of that, but like <laughs> when I was a little kid, I remember just like my, cause my dad, we always fighting growing up, like wrestling and stuff. And then I always, I was punching him on the arm as hard as I could. <laughs> I remember. And as I grew up that his, he would, he would just chuckle and like laugh and just be, ah, oh, like, just, I'm like, why doesn't this do anything and then as i'm getting older that laugh response is slowly turning into this angry like thing and now you know i punch him and he's like we're he's ready to go he's always ready to go like yeah, yeah it's good man that's so funny yeah yeah i highly recommend martial arts for everybody i think it's uh it's such a, a key thing and i think most people would not be violent if they trained martial arts yeah well i think just, I know we're talking about channeling the, the darkness. I mean, that's, it's such a good way because mm -hmm. you realize that all that shit inside of you can just get put there. And then once you like do that stuff and also like with all the confidence that you get from doing martial arts and then, yeah, like the bonding experience and the humbling experiences yeah. that you get realizing, like you said, that you, that you aren't shit and, uh, like it really, uh, it really helps, man. Totally. It really helps. Like it makes people a lot more calm and humble and like respectful. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it checks your ego. I think yeah. that. huge. You know, like I, my dad, uh, at KSS, like he, cause he was a vice principal there, but he started like this MMA course <laughs> and I don't know if it's still going or I don't, I don't know what's going on now. Cause he's, he's retired and stuff, but he like we would just go in there and like spar at like, class and it <laughs> yeah. was sick but i remember like i was always like big in my class but there was like another guy who was huge this guy akeem and we always i always had to spar him because like the there was no there was this massive gap between him <laughs> and the rest of the class and i was like this bridge <laughs> and he didn't know what like going 50 percent was and <laughs> yeah. every class dude I, I had to go up against this guy and just get like knocked around <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah it made me a better person i think you know like i think adverse everyone needs to face adversity Facts. like 100% we're all way too scared and especially as an adult we're just like we have the ability to avoid it yeah. you can do whatever we're for the most part do whatever you want with your life and so you just everybody's like i'd rather get a participation award yeah. and sit back and like it feel entitled for things. That's what I notice about artists so often is that 
they, it's like some of course do, but a lot don't feel entitled because they have to grind and they get told no so often and they're starving artists at the beginning of their career. And yeah, yeah it's just no's, 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 whether you're an actor or a rapper or a producer. Or yeah, a, man, it's tough. It's tough it's, to face that. Reje- well, it's tough to face the rejection at the beginning because if you've never experienced rejection, it hurts, mm-hmm. but it's also not really like... It, often it, it's not really about you. It's about the other person. And I mean, it's like you're, you're whatever you're trying to do. If that gets rejected, yeah, it's obviously your stuff. But it's like you have to look at that more as like a sign of where where's the next thing that I have to focus on. Yeah. Like I think that um, like, I don't know, it's like a kind of philosophical philosophical way of thinking. But when something is like, in a, a challenge or a, adversity, that's like where that's like the path you should follow. That's like, that's like the universe showing you where you need to go next. Mm-hmm. That's what I think, man. Like, cause I think if you, if you really follow all that stuff, you're constantly, that is growth. And, um, too often people get focused on the destination of like, I'm trying to end up here. And, where there is actually no destination and you always get, whenever mm. you get to that point, you're like, where's all like the good feelings I'm supposed to feel like totally. I got to this place. And then you realize if you're lucky enough to be aware enough to realize that that shit has to come from inside at the end of the day. And I think, um, feeling good about yourself and like building that, like, uh, self-respect comes from like overcoming those challenges, like totally. facing that adversity head on. And like, maybe you get knocked in your ass, but it, again, it's like, there's not really a, it's, it's just all about like what that stuff can teach you mm-hmm. about yourself and, and your, your journey. I think it's like literally, like I said, highlighting the next step of your journey. Yeah. It's just like a video game at the end of the day. Yeah. You got to, in order to level up, you got to face some adversity. You got to yeah. hit some challenges and knock them off the list. Yeah, man. I think, uh, not to get political, but it just, it's so, it's like our culture. I'm really, um, like sick of seeing people feel so entitled without doing any kind of work mm-hmm. and like without doing anything like constructive or like kind of like yeah like just kind of like sitting on their ass like being loud yeah yeah it actually goes back to one of jordan peterson's lessons which some people don't fully understand but i think it's rule number one in his book is clean your room and his whole concept behind it is like how can you criticize the world and and how unorganized it is and how chaotic it is if your own room your own state yourself is that's a reflection of yourself is chaotic and unorganized and you know yeah yeah man i realize like um just over the last few years that, uh, you know, with even with all the things going on in, in society, all the all the things that all the issues we're highlighting in our culture and society and all the there's like a big push to make some change right now. And I realized, you know, part of that change is talking about it. Obviously, part of that change is like, um, you know, educating yourself. But I think the most uh, important thing to make that change. And also the most impactful thing you can do is just like actually just to focus on yourself mm-hmm. and just to become like the best person you can be. Because yeah, like you said, like 
you have to be able, you have to clean up your own shit before you can clean up the world. Facts. And I think that cleaning up your own shit actually is synonymous with cleaning up the world because you're going to go out into the world every day carrying that, um, I don't know, like self-refinement. Like you're just going to, if you work on yourself, you're just going to naturally spread that to the people and to the community that you're in. You can lead by example. Exactly. And I think that's the most powerful um, way to make effective change. Very well put, yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. All right. Features. Got the coast up 100 degrees. All of these rappers want me on their beats. I'm like, wait, wait, motherfucker, please. Y'all been my son since I bust in a V and a V. Pay me them numbers, ain't nothing could freeze. Said I was a runner, now I run the lead. Bitch, I'm a dog when I'm stuck in the lead. Said y'all been my son since I bust in a V. Yeah, she high strong, put my tongue in her flesh. My lungs, such a number the best. Right on. All right, we're back. Um, back. So yeah, you're obviously going to perform uh, right after this. You yeah. Play some drums with Rebecca. You said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's that feeling like being able to perform again after pretty much a, a year of not being able to perform and if Dude, not longer? It's like literally, well, I have to like pinch myself because it feels so good. <laughs> like I actually like, ah, like it's, I get, I feel like a little kid, like yeah. that level of like excitement. It's insane, man. I mean, um, again, like what I was saying earlier, writing's always like at the f- top level of my passion, but being able to p- perform and that experience is, I don't know, it's amazing. And if after, like I spent the whole pandemic working on trying to like refine and like just make my shit as good as it can be. And so then it feels like I'm coming out of this like hibernation state and like I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it feels amazing, man. Just feels, amped up, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, I can't, there's, there's something about like, not being able to do something that makes you want to do it so much more. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, we're like kind of like cats, you know, it's like, just leave <laughs> the door open. Let me do it. If the door is shut right there, it's like, fuck man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me out, you know, yeah. let me go. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super pumped. And is this your first show since coming back? Or? No. So we've had a couple shows, um, since the pandemic, like opened up a bit, I guess. Um, yeah, we had a pretty controversial show a few weeks ago in July. Um, yeah, but uh, so that one was kind of... Well, so to me, it looked like, was that like a stage and then you had like a crowd in front of you or were you guys okay. kind of... I'll kinda, lay it out. Yeah, yeah, set it up, set it up. So um, shout out to the Ice Cream Truck. Um, they're, they're like this collective um, that... They're just been, they've been like trying to bring back live music and trying to like create this push and try to give back the opportunity for artists to play. And um, also though, they're big, one of their big kind of focuses is they're trying to change the permit laws in Vancouver for uh, outdoor live music. Cause it takes like a year to get a permit to like have amplified sound in a space. So damn. that's a whole other topic, um, but that's kind of like uh, the ice cream truck's whole shtick. Um, so we didn't, I didn't really know that going into this performance. Like I've been going to these events and I was actually wondering like, this is so sick, everything they're doing. They're just setting up in these parks and they're doing different locations every Saturday in Vancouver. And it was kind of going on in June, building up pretty much every Saturday, June, 
like at the end of May, June, into July. And um, Rebecca got an opportunity to play some shows. So I was going there like uh, filming for her, uh, just kind of supporting her. And then um, met, met like the organizers and stuff. And then finally we got an opportunity for Truth and I to play and um, play some hip hop stuff and like actually go off and like do that. Um, so we got booked for uh, this gig and it was gonna be at Sunset Beach in Vancouver. Um, we show up for sound check and there's like all these park rangers and like some cops talking to the organizer, Roberto. And um, they're like, uh, we're like, hey, what's going on? Like, is like, what's the whole shtick? And they're like, yeah, they're telling, and like some of the crew, they're like, yeah, they're telling us, you know, we have to shut it down. They're gonna take our, confiscate all our shit if we like have Damn. amplified sound. And at this point, I had no idea any what anything was going on. I just was like, this is an opportunity to play a show. <laughs> yeah. So work, I'm kind of like shit. Like I'm getting kind of like starting to like accept the possibility that we might not play, and just kind of like okay, like that this might be a thing. I'm just gonna like accept it. Whatever happens, we'll try to do it. So they we don't we're not setting up at all. Like everything's just paused. And um, eventually, Roberto comes back and he's like, okay, we have two options. Um, if we could just set up here until they kick us out, um, or we could move up the hill to this other spot that's like not in like park grounds. So right. like the Vancouver parks wouldn't have jurisdiction to like kick us out. And we're like, okay, well let's just move and go there. Like, let's just do that. Yeah. So we didn't know. I didn't know. I should just say like, personally, I did not know any of this stuff. I'm not trying to like, throw anyone under the bus here at all. But I personally did not know that we were going to be moving to a bike lane. Okay. So the decision was made. We moved to this bike lane and because this bike lane was not a part of the parks. Um, but we just like, so I personally, I don't think that was maybe the greatest idea and the cops were upset, but there was this idea that uh, we were going to like put it on as like a protest and so we were going to protest and like displace traffic and the cops were going to like support the protest and help redirect traffic. And was this protest intention for like these, these amplifying laws yeah, in yeah. Vancouver? Okay. Cause like their whole thing was like, that's what, that's why they were kind of, they were trying to raise awareness yeah. about that and get more public support to change those laws. So he's the Roberto was like, fuck it. We're just going to like make this a protest. And that's what, that's what we're doing. Now we're having this music protest, whatever. Um, but we're like, so we get all set up and the cops are not helping us. They're not redirecting traffic. It's like awkward. Like bikes are trying to go by <laughs> and there's like just guys like setting up stuff. And then it's just like, <laughs> bikers can get aggressive also. Yeah, man. man. Like, well, I would be if like, I'm just trying to bike, go do whatever I'm thinking. There's just like, it's just blocked. So you have to like get off your bike and go around. And like, it was, it was a weird vibe. Like and while I was, we were constantly like is this the right thing we should be doing? And like, I'm trying to help out the crew one, because again, like I'm just trying to make as much connections as possible in the city and like working with them. Like I'm at a point where like, I'll play almost any show you want me to, because I'm just hungry. So I'm just trying to help. And, and like, I'm questioning the moral ethics of all this, these decisions at the same time. So eventually we get all set up. Cops are not helping. And what I found out in hindsight, what the, the cops actually were like, okay, you know what? We're going to like shut it down. And they're telling ice cream truck to shut it down. Um, so a few acts go up first and they're like these bands and they play like pretty like 
indie rock, not very abrasive music, nice, like fairly easy listening. Okay, and then next up is me and Truth. And uh, we, especially Truth, uh, he's into some hard rap, like aggressive, like real hip hop shit. Like Truth is a real MC. So he's going, like, he's going up there to lay some bars and say some potentially offensive things. <laughs> and uh, like we, we do the first two songs in our set. And because um, I DJ for him and do like backup vocals and then I'll rap like my verses kind of thing. But he's like the main, main guy on the mic. I'm usually on the decks. And uh, first two songs in, we see the cops like surrounding us. And I literally shouted out on the mic. I was like, hey, guys, like, nice to see you. We got a nice crowd here. <laughs> and like, I was like, I don't know what's about to happen, but, you know, thanks for being here, whatever. And um, like we play our third, we, the third song we play was Storm Coming, which is a song I was talking about earlier. But and it's very aggressive. And the chorus is like, there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. And so. We're, we actually finished the song. We're on like the final chorus. Like the song's about to end. And these cops, there's like 35 cops, by the way. And they, a huge line of them just start walking in and they, they separate, they make a line barricading or like blocking up the stage from the crowd. And we're just like, T and I kind of made a conscious, like just looking at each other decision, like, we're just going to perform this until they pull a plug. So we're just like rapping until literally they're like just pulling out plugs on the speakers, like just coming in and um, truth gets the idea. <laughs> He's upset. <laughs> He's upset. And I'm like that they're shutting it down. So, you know, we're like, there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. And then truth, we, we stop because like the beat got cut. And Truth just goes on the mic, goes, fuck the police. <laughs> and uh, just on the mic, this, the PA system's like still going. Like the whole crowd, you heard it. And um, at this point, the cops, you know, they've been trying to shut it down for hours. And there's 35 of them out. There's this whole scene that's been created. They're pissed off. They do not want to be there. They're trying to shut this shit down ASAP. They apparently, they were telling, I was talking to them after, um, there's like, just like dozens of noise complaints coming in <laughs> from the surrounding like apartments and stuff. Um, so they, they just grab him and arrest him just for yelling, fuck the police. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. They throw him in cuffs and, uh, they, they grab my laptop and my DJ controller and they're like trying to take it. And I'm like, and I, after this, this is so true said, fuck the police. I, and I was like kind of looking away looking away and like i go i look back and i'm like bro what the f cut that shit out <laughs> cut that shit out and then i look to the, my the table and they're like taking all my stuff so i, I i'm like well, yo what are you what are you doing they're like we're confiscating this is like blah, blah 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 and i'm like well i'm just an artist like i didn't like this isn't the, like this is my stuff this yeah. is not the ice cream truck stuff this is and they're like doesn't matter suck my dick basically like damn go fuck yourself and then i look over and truth's getting arrested like getting cuffed and so I just looked back and I realized I was like, they're not fucking around. Like, I'm just going to cooperate. So I was like, all right, officer. And I, he did, actually <laughs> didn't take my laptop. He only took my controller. He let me keep my laptop. And uh, I was like, okay, officer, how do I get this back? And then um, he was like, 
let's go suck my dick later. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. But, uh, basically, they took truth, made him sit down. They made me like, they're like, don't move. Stay right there. I'm trying to like get all my cords and like get all my stuff. And they're like, don't fucking move. Like stay there. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. All the intense. other, all the other artists had all their shit b- back there too. And they're like, can we get it? They're like, nah, nah, nah. Um, so, uh, they basically just shut the whole thing down. Like Roberto, he was getting very vocal and he was like pretty upset. And then, um, his wife, she had her phone on the table where the soundboard, like the mixing board was, which was behind the cop line. And she went to go grab it. And one of the cops pushed her back and Roberto like pushed the cop back. Oh yeah. yeah. And then the three cops just on him, of course. cuff him, take him. So they take Roberto Fuck. and Truth away. And at that point, like, they kind of just ripped out all the, like, spirit from the event. So everyone just kind of started dispersing after that. Um, and they took Truth to jail for, like, and kept him there for, like, four hours. Really? Yeah, and they're threatening to charge him with, like, criminal mischief and all this stuff, which I think if, like, uh, if it really would have went to that, he would have, like, fought it and they wouldn't have won. Yeah. But I think they're just trying to scare the shit out of him because there's like, okay, this kid like has a lot of guts to say that we got to stomp that out right now. I'm surprised. I mean, like, obviously, if you're a cop and somebody else fucked the police, that probably rubs you a certain wrong way. But at this point in time, like, it's like so many people yell that shit at cops that I'm surprised they get so offended by it off the time. Dude. Well, like, I know I was like, I get it though. I was about to, I was like so mad. Um, and I was just standing there like, they're like telling me not to move. And I'm just like, fuck, man. I just wanted to like, I wanted to make a comment about like being white so bad. I was like, we're on the same fucking team. You can't like, <laughs> I was so mad, dude. I was like about to say some stuff like that. I was like, all right, Matt, just relax. Nothing good's going to come from that. You know, don't, you know, but it's like, yeah. What would have happened if we were like people of color? Yeah. You know? It could have been a lot it different. Been very different. And that's, that's the like, thing, we're man. Lucky, honestly, like, Truth's lucky, like he didn't get fucked with more. Like, yeah, but it's it's good that you to recognize that also, especially being in like the hip hop scene and stuff, is yeah. that people of color have been so obviously oppressed by the police for so such a long time. And yeah, I remember growing up. Uh, I don't even know if my parents know this story, so they're probably hearing it for the first time. Yeah. But uh, I got uh, caught with a little bit of weed one time by a by an officer and. Yeah. Uh, he just like dumped out my grinder and like gave it back to me and like sent me on my way. And I always thought like, what, what would happen if, uh, if I was a person of color, yeah, would, would I be so right? lucky? Like he gave no. me my grinder back. It's like, yeah. Right. Like, it's, it's kind of sad that, uh, we can reflect and think about that mm-hmm. too. Like that's fucked up, but yeah. So that was kind of the end of that event. Um, but uh, they also confiscated the ice cream truck because the ice cream truck collective, they actually have an ice cream truck. I was about to ask, is yeah, this a I real ice cream truck? Yeah. yeah. Um, they usually, because it's all outdoor events, so they actually bring like a generators and stuff. But um, they have an ice cream truck that they sell merch and like food out of, out of the events. So there's always like the ice cream truck there. And they just straight up confiscated it and impounded it. And they told Roberto that he wasn't going get, to get it back for months and months. Um, but he got it back, and we're playing a show next Saturday. Hey, so September nice. 4th at the Sunwa rooftop in Vancouver. Um, Are there going to be cops there? Or? Hopefully not. <laughs> I'm assuming it's an indoor event, so I'm assuming all the, like, I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So, yeah. Um, I'm pretty – I'm not, like, truth where I <laughs> – 
I, uh, I feel like, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not, I don't, I've never got myself into a situation like that. I pretty good at getting myself out. So I think we'll be okay. Whatever happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, man. It's such a, such a core, um, part of hip hop culture as well as kind of like, you know, going against the authority and dude. And and that's like, not to interrupt you there, but like for me, like hip hop is a passion, but I feel like I'm very much like a guest in that sense. Like I just, I'm not an MC, like I'm a, someone who can rap, but that's not my, um, focus. And I, and even like, I don't want to say that because like, uh, hip hop is this, I don't know. Like I, I've, I have a lot of respect for the genre and I, you know, like I think the way it's been going the last while, like is losing some of that respect and it's okay. It's because the genre is growing and blossoming and like changing. And that's, that's totally fine. But truth, he's a real MC. Like he is like embodies the spirit of hip hop and, um, yeah, that's, that's why that's who he is. So it's like a part of it. Like, and you know, uh, he really like, he does that because he, you know, he loves it and believes it. And there's no one else who like, like, yeah, I don't say that lightly. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but he's someone like you can tell him to freestyle and he's going to drop like super hot 16 straight off of the dome because he just, that's what he does. Like he's in it for like the real love of, of hip hop. Yeah. That's tight. Yeah. So saying fuck the police kind of goes along with that, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wild. That's a crazy story, man. That's uh, that's very interesting. I saw some of the clips and footage and stuff, and I was like, yo, you guys got to put this in a music video one day. <laughs> I know, man. We we tried to get a bit more, like, promo and, like, just stuff around this, the this song, but um, we got some stuff. But I think what, what what we did actually was my favorite thing was, like, the song, we were still sitting on it, and we hadn't put it out yet. Um, and after that all happened, we were like, we got to put the song out like yeah. fucking ASAP. <laughs> um, so it was basically finished. I just had to finish like mixing it and like, but I was working on the song and I was like, man, I really want to just use these like events somehow. And my buddy Jacob Hoskins was like, bro, you should put the audio from all the videos that people captured into the track facts. And I was like, that's brilliant. So there's this, if you listen to the song, like at the end, um, it goes at the end of the chorus, it goes into the chant because people are like, there's a storm coming when pe- the beat was cut and we were just chanting oh, that crazy dude. And then it's like the way I lined it up is like, it goes that and it's like fades off. You can hear like, you know, everything fading out and the cops cutting the shit. And then truth goes, fuck the police. And then the <laughs> beat comes back and drops. And, uh, my mastering engineer, um, Eugene, actually I should have shouted him out earlier. Caveman masters. He's a fucking such a good guy, man. And so good at what he does too. And he, um, he's like helps out a lot with like the last stage of things. Like he's always like FaceTiming me, like, bro, you got to do this little switch here and do this. And everything he tells me to change is like, holy shit. It just elevates it. Nice. And he was like, okay, bro, you got to like turn up the bass like crazy at the end here. You got to do this. And like, I was like, I, I, and then yeah, it just, it ended up for being a really, really sick, like, um, I don't know, like not a tribute to the event, but it was just, I loved how that we were able to use that event and actually put it in the song and like use that audio 
from the crowd and and everything. So yeah, that's tight. Yeah, man, it's honestly one of probably one of my favorite songs we've we've made so far. I'm well, really um, shout out the the song one more time where people can find it, where people can find your music yeah. and some of your shows upcoming. Um, so if you search up Matt Truitt, um, can you spell Truitt? Yeah, quick? yeah. So M A T, just one T on Matt, and then Truitt is T R E W H I T. It's like, yeah, tr- Trey Wit. For uh, <laughs> for those who uh, are just listening, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me anywhere. If you just Google Matt Truitt, I'll come up. Uh, like Spotify, all the platforms. Um, look up a storm coming. Um, yeah, man, that's about it. Tight, dude. And any upcoming shows and then the ice cream truck one or? Um, no. So we were playing September fourth, uh, Sunwa Rooftop in Vancouver. Um, no, Rebecca and I, uh, we got a gig coming up for Vancouver Film Festival in October. Um, we're trying to get some sync opportunities for one of our tracks stay that we did earlier this year. Um, but otherwise, no, man, just stay tuned for new music. I got nothing, uh, coming down the pipe right now, but there's definitely going to be some stuff in the near future, especially 2022. So stay tuned. Sick, man. Well, I was uh, stoked to catch you while you were in town, bro. thank you so much for having me, Yeah, man. I'll uh, catch you on the flip. Hell yeah. Sweet. Gang, gang. Peace, people. Peace. Preaching the street, I'm in tune with my God. Now, who would have thought they'd have threw me the rock? Lord of the flies, a few ain't holding shells, and you sit and talk. My homie took me out shooting the Glock. If he do that for you, then you losing your time. And-